Hello and welcome to Family Health and Wellness podcast series for parents and professionals working with families called Parenting Tips. Family Health and Wellness is a part of the National Extension System, which provides research-based information and is a program of Cornell Cooperative Extension of Suffolk County. I'm Rory McNish, the host of this series, which will showcase family health and wellness educators who are experts in the field of nutrition, health, and diabetes management. Our goal is to help adults make research-informed decisions for themselves and their families. I'm pleased to welcome Dinah Torres Castro, who will be joining us today to talk about feeding picky eaters. Dinah has been the bilingual family well-being educator with Family Health and Wellness since 2000. Dinah has a degree in nutrition education and coordinates the parent-toddler nutrition programs that CCE presents in our Suffolk County libraries. Hi, Dinah. How you doing? Good, Rory. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So what, what's going on today? Well, today we're here to talk about feeding picky eaters. And I get a lot of questions on this topic. You know, children can become picky eaters for several reasons. And some kids naturally are more sensitive to taste, smells, and textures. However, other kids can become picky eaters because of what they see and experience in their own environments. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about that. <laughs> they, they sometimes observe their own family's picky eating mm-hmm. and just model and reflect what they see. Okay. Um, if mom or dad never put any greens on their plates right. or make faces when they see something they don't <laughs> like, yeah. well, that child is going to be likely to do the same thing. Oh, yeah. Sometimes picky eating habits also start when parents or caregivers um, punish, bribe, Mm -hmm. or try to reward the kids' eating behaviors. So instead of using these tactics, we need to really encourage parents to work on getting their picky eater to try new foods and avoid all these food battles. Okay, so where do you start? I recommend using Ellen Satter's Division of Responsibility and Feeding. This noted registered dietitian believes that children have a natural ability with eating. Mm -hmm. We're all born knowing when we're hungry and when we've had enough to eat. If you've ever been around an infant, you know when that child is (laughs) hungry. They'll fuss or they'll cry and they'll open their mouth like they're getting ready to eat. Mm -hmm. And when they had enough, they'll either push away from the bottle or the breast, signaling to the parent that they're done. We need to nurture this natural instinct in our children. Instead, many caregivers insist that the infant finishes the full eight ounces in the bottle. By doing this, we're confusing the child who's Mm -hmm. relying on their natural cues. Those are the signals they get from their tummies to their brains and vice versa for um, hunger and satiety, which is a sense of being full and being satisfied. I think my cues when I was a kid were very uh, disrupted (laughs) (laughs) because... So it what ex- to all of us. it does, it's crazy. <laughs> so what exactly is the division um, of responsibility in feeding and how, you know, like how do parents put this into practice? Well, Ellen Satter's philosophy for division of responsibility in feeding starts by saying that the parent or caregiver is responsible for what the child eats. Okay. We decide what the child is having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and whether they're going to have snacks in between. Mm-hmm. That means that we need to provide healthy choices for our children. When a parent tells me that her 
picky eater, only wants to eat sweets and junk food, mm-hmm. the first thing that pops into my head is who's buying that for him? That four-year-old is certainly not uh, jumping into the car and driving to the supermarket That's and right. purchasing the chips, the Oreos, and mm-hmm. the soda. Right. We're responsible for what they get to choose from, right? We're also responsible for where the child eats. If we're eating in the kitchen table or the formal dining room, maybe we're eating outside on the patio or it's a nice day and we decide to have lunch at the park. I remember when my kids were growing up, a special treat for us on Friday nights was uh, throwing a picnic blanket on the living room floor and having pizza picnic style. And after we're done with our pizza, we'd pop in a movie and it made for a really nice end to a hectic work week. Yeah, sounds like a fun night. The other thing parents are responsible for is when food, when food is provided. Having a set scheduled time for each of our meals is critical. Allowing for scheduled nutritious snacks in between meals is also important. Know that the snacks count towards your child's um, total daily intake. Try to make the most of the snacks, too. Sometimes parents and caregivers think that snacks are like treats and they choose them, uh, foods that really reflect that. But the snacks should really be something that's nutritious for the child. Mm -hmm. So if you have a picky eater that wants to eat sweets, try serving them like four ounces of plain yogurt or vanilla yogurt. Just try to stay away from the blended sugary types of yogurt. And then top that off with a whole grain cereal, like dry cereal on top. They Mm -hmm. have more fiber, more nutrition, nutrients in them. And then top it off with fresh berries. Yeah, and that's where they get- Serve it in a clear cup. Mm -hmm. You end up with a yogurt parfait that's not only nutritious, but it looks super fun for your picky eater. Make it colorful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, setting schedules, is that this time uh, in this kind of thing what we're living in right now, it might be tough for uh, some families at this point. Yeah, but really setting a schedule helps the child get into a a mealtime routine. Once um, the routines become set, the child really doesn't have much room to argue with you or put up a battle or anything. What we really want you to do is to set a schedule that works for the whole family. And normally on weekdays, um, it's a little bit easier for us to work in these schedules. But mealtime routines don't have to disappear just because it's a weekend. It might just mean that weekend routine starts a little later on a Saturday or that meals are more relaxed than on weekdays. Schedules shouldn't be so difficult. For example, if you decide to have breakfast at 8 o'clock, then by 10.30, you should be ready for a mid-morning snack for your little guy. Mm-hmm. And then lunch could be around 12.30, 1 o'clock or so. And by 3.30, you're ready for a mid-afternoon snack. And then dinner by 5 or 6. And a bedtime snack around 8 or at least a half an hour before bedtime. Okay. That makes for a total of six meals given just about every two to three hours. Being consistent about keeping the schedules will help your child learn that there will be something to eat at a regular set time. And you know what happens? Their bodies soon start to respond by getting hungry when it is time to eat. And they will eat if they are hungry. So it's good to start routines no matter what your normal is these days. Right, right, right. Um, Talk to me a little bit more about the, um, about the responsibilities. Simply put, the parents' responsibility is what, where, and when food is provided. 
and the child's responsibility is to decide whether or not to eat food and how much to eat. That might sound a little crazy, but the key is that if the parent trusts that the child is going to determine how much and whether or not to eat from what the parent provides, then that's our job and the children will do theirs. Mm -hmm. Part of the parent's job is to provide the food, and this means they have to choose and prepare the food, set regular meal times and snacks, make meal times pleasant. And sometimes that's the hardest part, because right. if you have a child that comes to the table ready to engage you in a battle over the food, it's really hard to have a pleasant meal. But yeah. it's our job to try and make it as pleasant as we possibly can. At the same time, our children are going to be learning how to behave at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. They're going to learn their manners at the dinner table. Right, All right. of these things become part of our jobs. And we also have to be considerate of the child's food experiences, and, but not cater into every single one of their likes or dislikes. Okay. We can't allow them to have any food or beverage between meals or between snacks except for water. Water, anytime they're thirsty, that's the first thing we should be offering the child. Um, anything else could, especially if you have a picky eater, could just throw them off and uh, you wind up not keeping to your routine because all these other things pop up every once in a while. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure many parents out there are able to give up their roles as mealtime police and just allow their kids to eat what they want and how much they want. You're right, Rory. Many parents, grew, like me, grew up in the type of um, that mealtime environment where there was a, a mealtime police there. Mm -hmm. um, I know that in my generation, I was part of that um, clean plate club mm -hmm. where me too. kids were challenged to eat <laughs> every bit of food on their plate yep. in order to belong to this non-existent uh, club. We now know that research shows this kind of pushing or forcing your child to eat, even when they're already full, can lead to other food issues such as obesity, eating disorders, and even exacerbate, you know, picky eating. Mm -hmm. What I'm suggesting is that parents take a deep breath okay. and try to use Satter's division of responsibility in feeding. Using this philosophy, it's a great start to managing your picky eater and helping them overcome their pickiness. Do you have any other suggestions? Sure. First, avoid being a short order cook. I know it's easy to whip up a grilled cheese sandwich or mm -hmm. uh, a quick other bite for them to eat. But what happens is that this leads to more and more demands. And before you know it, you're going to be making four dinners for your family. And nobody I know has the time to do that or the budget to do that. Right, so right. avoid the short order cook, whatever's made for the family. That's what's for dinner. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm a big fan also of Kids don't want to eat their dinner. That's okay. You know, wrap it up, put it in the fridge, mm -hmm. let them go about, because there's going to be another meal in just, a, uh, you know, in a couple of hours. Right, right. Um, even and if they're, it's dinner. They're, they're going to get hungry. Bedtime snack. Yeah. If, and that's when you offer them the food again. Right. I was a big fan of that. Yep. The other thing you could do is expose your kids to new foods in different ways. So if you've already tried broccoli a couple of times and you had tried it, you know, raw with uh, a salad or something like that, and they didn't like it, try steaming it, roasting it, stir frying it, adding it to soups or stews or serve it with a little dip or some cheese sauce. I mean, just keep, keep offering trying. it to them, right, you know, right. in different ways. That makes sense. 
Yeah. yeah. And get your kids involved in cooking, in the shopping, in the gardening, you know. Um, the more involved they are with food, um, the more inclined they're going to be uh, to try it, accept it, and, and keep eating it. And that's right. what you want. You've got to model good eating habits for your children. Don't expect your child to eat Brussels sprouts if you don't like them. If they're not on your plate, if the, you know, they don't see other people in the family eating them, it's really important. You've, you decide what you want your child to learn how to eat, and then you have to model it for them. You have to be a key factor in, in getting your child to like and accept foods. The other thing is, uh, you know, I just talked about using like little tricks to get them to eat things. Uh, very often, young children love to eat finger foods. In doing that, you know, serving finger foods to your children, try using, you know, yogurts, hummus, ketchup, low-fat dressings, you know, to encourage your child to eat fruits and vegetables with these dipping sauces and stuff like that. You're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> And we want to try different uh, strategies, too, uh, to get your picky eaters to eat. Try not to force your child to eat. Don't nag. Don't make deals. Strategies like these don't work in the long run. Children who learn to make deals about eating quickly learn to make deals and ask for rewards for doing other things, too, yep. like brushing their teeth or getting dressed. And soon they won't want to do anything unless there's a reward in it for them. Right. So right. avoid any kind of rewards or uh, making deals with them. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard people say to their kids, you know, if you eat your broccoli, then you can get your dessert or something right. like that. Right. Yep. But desserts should really be part of your dinner, and they don't have to be a part of every single dinner. But right. you know, uh, having a dessert and desserts can be something simple like a piece of fruit or mm -hmm. a nice. Uh, let me see what else like, my kids would like. They they even like a yogurt for dessert right, or something like right. that. Right, like that yogurt you were telling me before, before about that sounded pretty good too, you know, as yeah. a dessert. Yeah, like a parfait That's, or something. Absolutely. It yep. doesn't have to be, you know, 50,000 calorie cake with icing and all this other stuff mm -hmm. on it. Dessert can be very simple. My last thing that I want to tell all the parents is uh, don't give up. The research shows that it could take 10 to 20 times before a child will start to eat a food. Many parents try a food a couple of times and all of a sudden they'll give up and say, well, I'm not wasting my time or money trying to get them to eat that. However, if you persist and you try the food in different ways, you might just find that your child will start eating that food with ex uh, repeated exposures to it. Okay. It will become something that my family eats. That's it. So if the right. child sees you eating it, grandma comes over, she eats it, mm -hmm. you know, he sees brothers and sisters eating it, he'll start eating it also. It's, right. um, it's a matter of, uh, like I said before, you know, take a deep breath. Don't put a lot of pressure on yourselves. A lot of parents, especially if they have a picky eater for the first time, they will, um, they will take it upon themselves to really get anxious Mm -hmm. Every time uh, they're trying to get their child to try something new or, right. or repeat something, you know, give them more exposure to that food. But what happens is if, you re if you're relaxed about it, the child will become more relaxed right. about it too. Okay. So 
try to, you know, take those deep breaths. I really encourage parents to do. Mm -hmm. Yep, breathe. And, and serve the food <laughs> and try to have a pleasant meal with your children because these are the memories they're going to be um, having. Yep. And there's nothing nicer than thinking back and saying, wow, you know, family meal times were great at my house. So that's what we really want for, for all of you. If you have a picky eater, try not to worry too much, especially if they're only picky occasionally. Mm -hmm. It may just be a natural part of their development. However, if your child does continue to have severe food aversions or starts to cut out whole food groups at the same time, then it's uh, important that you do seek additional help. Talk to okay. your pediatrician or contact your local registered dietitian if you're worried. Very good advice. This has been great. I mean, I'm not a picky eater, but I know there are picky eaters out there. I, uh, so I think this will be a very good thing for, for people to hear. Thank you so much, Dinah, for, for your time. And that's our podcast on feeding picky eaters. And thank you all for listening. We'd love to hear your comments about today's topic. You can email us at jsj79 at cornell.edu or dc258 at cornell.edu. For more information on this topic, visit our website at ccesuffolk.org forward slash family dash health dash and dash wellness. Have a wonderful day.